You are listening to a Writers at Stanton podcast. Every month, Stanton Library hosts some of the world's most exciting writers and thinkers to discuss their latest books. Thank you for joining us. of five books and the photographer of the last four. All have been reprinted and she'll be introducing to us her latest home. Having been told by four publishers that home should be published while at the same time rejecting it because it could not be pigeonholed into any specific genre, Victoria started Love Books, a bespoke publishing house so that home could be all it wanted to be, a podcast in a book, soft and kind, a much needed virtual cuddle. Home is full of personal insights and warm and touching images that are real and relatable. An exploration and celebration of the home. The very essence of us, it's a gentle nudge to see us as a cocoon, our safe place to recharge and rest, explore and be our unguarded selves and develop our individuality more deeply than anywhere else. They're a concentration of all we are, quintessentially so. The pages filled with musings, histories, stories, how-to, recipes and photography of homely things from all over the world are a reminder to appreciate the beauty in everyday things. Not trying to be popular or trendy, it places value on the importance of relationships with family, friends and the hardest oneself. Victoria has lived in Sydney all her life, travelled to 62 countries and began her career by being a trend forecaster. Being fashion editor for Vogue and then Cosmopolitan felt like natural progressions. Another one was establishing the film business, producing television commercials, creating atmospheres, making homes and revitalising old buildings is in her bones. She was the founder of and designed the Russell Hotel in the Rocks, Sydney's first small boutique hotel, and the Bathers Pavilion in Balmoral, which she ran for 15 years. Her other books are The Bathers Pavilion Cookbook, One, Colour and Real. Please give a warm welcome to Victoria Alexander. I've got a little bit of show and tell, so just give me a minute. how to make a book. Um, first of all, thank you all so much for coming. Um, it's freezing out there and you had to leave your warm homes to get here. Or I hope your homes are warm. So thank you. Um, thank you too to the library and to you, Jay, for all your support over a great many years. Jay and I go back to, I think probably even the Bathers Pavilion cookbook, we did. He was then at the Constant Reader helping Peter and I did um, book launches at that stage. And then he took over um, the Constant Reader and 
has supported each one of my books in a very, very um, meaningful way. That So much so that when I was trying to price home, I went up and I said, Jay, what's your break point? <laughs> and his advice proved to be um, something I relied on. Um, I'd like to begin by saying we all have a story. And we do. And there's a Q&A at the end of this, and I'm hoping that I can learn a little bit about you. Um, so com please compose a question that tells me something about you, not just me. So there's a slideshow that's going on here. And what it is is the making of a book at the beginning. It's how home was made. And you will see the one that's, I'm not going to talk to the slides. They're just there so you don't look at me. Um, but what you're seeing now is the first cover that was proposed. And that was, I got it down to three. And this is what, how you work with the designer. I then went back to the designer and said, we're nearly there. I like this one, but I don't want the colour. So we then worked on the colour. I gave him my palette. And what you will see next is what we ended up with. So that will, as it goes through, it will tell you the process that I've been through to get to the book that I hope you will all hold dear. So, um, home began six years ago. It began its life as identity. I'd finished a book called Real, and I thought that that was going to be the next thing that I would visit. I read the White Australia policy and I got angry. Trump got in and I got angrier. And a few other things sort of happened and I realised how deep our identity is and how we actually take it for granted. We don't when we talk about refugees and we don't when we sort of face certain issues, but we do... Um, take it for granted with ourselves a lot. So the idea to make a book about what it was to, that contributes to making each of us who we are. Um, the more I explored the idea, the more I realised that defining identity was fascinating, but it was also a never-ending subject, one that was beyond my reach to write about. It belonged to Manning Clark. To have the kind of substance I was after and to encapsulate all it entails, I needed to delve into history and as much as that interests me, I'm a snail-paced dyslexic who would be still reading the history that I should have been looking at. Oh, I don't want to reverb. Is that better? Can you hear me? Okay. Um, so um, I did some more fact-finding and discovered that really our identity is really about the family we're born into, the one we choose, and they're as important as the one we are born into. Our school, our country, our culture, our career, our experiences, our influences, and the diversity that surrounds us. The more I pondered, the more I thought through and wrote about the idea, it became clear to me that each of our homes contains all of those things. And it best expresses our own individuality, our identity. So I thought some more. 
and it came to, down to a sense of belonging, which became central to the idea. And so I followed that path for a while to rediscover what I was already certain of. Our greatest sense of belonging, apart from our family, is to ourself, our place, our home. Home is where we express what it, what it was that I was originally trying to say more broadly. Home is where we express ourselves to the fullest. Where we live, how we choose to live, and each thing we choose to live with is uniquely synonymous with who we are. Yet we take the history of how we came to live the way we do for granted. Who knew that we domesticity came from the Dutch? How many of you have read Home? I don't want to, I don't want to do a spoiler, but it will you, within the pages you will discover how we came to live the way we do. The Dutch gave us sash, sash windows, for instance. Um, by making a connection through images, and hopefully by writing something useful, I hope home speaks not only of my quest to define identity, but of the home we carry within each of us, wherever we go. Home is where you find your way, your sense of purpose and meaning in life. It's the biggest enabler there is. It's where we tell ourselves the stories that matter most and find a balance between motivation and need. Express our creativity, get stuck with decisions, hopefully establish trust, and learn to resolve conflict. To satisfy our curiosity and gain a perspective, home is a place where our intention matters more than our achievements. At best, it's where we experience and practice empathy, humility, kindness, and compassion. I had suspected, but I wasn't fully, hadn't fully realized the basis for my approach to homemaking. And really, we learn it in kindergarten or in preschool. Last week, I was staying with some friends in the country in Victoria. And they are, um, I don't know if any of you remember seasonal concepts, the shop, but um, I was staying with them. And you can imagine, for those of you, it's, it's a treasure trove of, of things of whatever. And I was in Ken's workroom with him, and there was this book. I picked it up and I started reading it to him. And I suspect my mother had this book. I don't know, but it feels familiar. And also, what feels familiar about it is home has a cloth cover. So I went back to what was really sort of quite basic. I was insistent on a cloth cover. So in here, there's a chapter, very small type, called Designing the Interior. Out of the great volume of writing about this subject, there emerges one undeniable truth, interior decoration. If it is to be sincere, it should be a true reflection of the individual personalities. All other considerations are secondary to this. And attempts to base the inspiration on other premises can only result in mediocrity. In other words, interior de decoration should be a picture in three dimensions of the true living habits of both designer and family, reflecting their ideas of beauty, comfort, colour, proportion, design, arrangement and craftsmanship. It is, of course, progressive thinking to allow these several aspects of decoration to be influenced by current trends. New developments in materials and the discoveries and experiences of others. But the ideas of individual 
of the individual should not, under any circumstance, be subordinated to these influences. That would be merely substituting mimicry for originality, and the results would be apparent to any discriminating observer. I, don't, I think that's the wisest advice I've read about making a home ever, and it's a 1952 book. So nothing much has changed except the trends. So the path to love books, as you've heard, it's my fifth book. Um, I was approached by um, a New York publisher to do the Bailey's Civilian Cookbook. And I was very, it was a very moving experience. I would photograph the pages, having been a stylist and things, and I would start to move things around. And Rodney, who was the photographer, said to me, Victoria, you've already done it. Go away, just let me do this. So I started to restyle what I'd already styled. And it was really sort of an interesting experience for me because I pulled myself up and thought, no, things are already in their place. So that was published by um, an American publisher. And then after I saw Bathers, I went and did my BFA at National Art School. And when that came to an end, um, it was a book club one night and they all said, what are you going to do now? As if I had a clear view of what I was going to do now. I had no idea what I was going to do now. And I said, oh, I'd like to have a photograph published. And they all looked at me and said, haven't you? And what I used to do was I would go on a trip, I'd come back, I'd download my images, and I'd send them all as if it was a postcard, 10 sort of images from Morocco or... India or wherever I was, so they felt that they had seen them. Now, I should tell you about my book club. They've all been in publishing. They've been editors of magazines and we're all foodies and whatever. So the next day, one rings me up and says, you've got to do something with that. And I was already working with somebody on commercials who kept saying to me, you've got to do something with your photographs. Do not just leave them in your computer. So I had two people in my ear, do something with your photographs. What I meant was to send a photograph to the Herald and in the Saturday section, they have that tourist photo that you get published. That's what I wanted. That would have been fun. But these people had something else in mind. And as you will learn, that is very much part of my history that I need as somebody who gave me my first poke. I needed a poke. <laughs> so next thing I know, a second person from the book club who's a food writer rang me and said, let's collaborate. And I said, what do you mean? She said, you do the photographs, I write the stories. And then she was writing for Country Style. And I said, oh, no, I'm not that sort of photographer. And I know exactly where I was standing. It was the 26th of January. I was standing in my kitchen. And I said, no, I think I'm going to do a book. And she said, oh, what on? And I said, about being one. We're all one. And I started to describe one to her. And to that very moment, I had no idea I was going to do it. She said, You've got, you're on to something. So she came back a week later. We got out a big Ikea roll of paper and I wrote down what I thought one would be. And she said, you're definitely on to something. You need an agent. And I said, no, I don't need an agent. She said, you do. I said, I can read a contract and I've done a book before. So we rang John Newton, who's an author of about 15 books, and he said, oh, I'll introduce you to my publisher. So in amongst what we'd done, I'd written who I would like to be published by. And top of the list was Murdoch. And Murdoch were doing beautiful, singularly wonderful illustrated books at that time. And he said, Murdoch. So he sent off my obituary, 
that was about five sentences describing who I was and whatever. And Diana Hill, who was my publisher, wrote back and said, I'd be interested to talk to you. We made a time, I stood there, and I was making up what, what, what one would be as I was speaking to her, sort of embellishing what I didn't know was already in my head. She said, we'd like to meet you. I go in, we talk, she says, we'll take it. Now, what I did not know then, and what you probably don't know, is you have a publisher within the publishing house who looks after you, but they don't get the final say. You do your proposal with your images, in my case, and words, and then they take it to the acquisition committee. The acquisition committee includes the publishers, the marketing department, and anybody else that they want to include. It's usually about 12 of them, and they vote on whether they think a book will be a go or no. So I was unaware of this, and I was told, yes, you've got, we'd like to do it. And Diana's looking at Kay, who is head of Murdoch at that stage, and she's saying, but Kay, and Kay's saying, I'll get it through. And I'm thinking, what are they talking about? We went, Barbara and I went, and we had some champagne and lunch at the Rockpool, and I thought I had a book, and I did. And one was born. And so it was a pretty amazing experience. They literally let me do what I wanted. How many pages do you want? The whole thing it was freedom. You would never get it now. After that, they said, we'd like another one. I said, well, I could do one on knitting. And they said, no, we don't think we want knitting. <laughs> so colour came about. And colour was the same. Complete freedom of this image on this page with this words. With I hand in very finished sort of manuscripts that are not finished in their own way. Then after that, another one, please, and that was real. And real's the quietest sibling of them all. There are people who write to me and say that they love real, that real has really spoken to them. But real is so pictorial that I think a lot of people miss it and don't realise that actually the words are as important. So then time passed, and as I said, I thought, oh, this, I've got another book in me. And all those thoughts came up about identity and everything. But just like our homes, I needed to find the right aspect. And I had to get comfortable with the idea behind what it was I wanted to say about home. So the process began. I started writing, and I kind of dropped some things from um, the idea of identity moving into belonging. I approached... I had then... I was working with Katrina, who was sort of a counsellor for me on words, and she suggested an art director that might be good for me to work with. So I kind of... We did a sort of a bit of a mock-up of what that might be. And then I got an email from him. I said, I'm ready to go. I got an email from him and he said, actually, I've accepted the Good Food Garden. I can't start till September. This was December and he had already committed himself. So one branch off the tree. What to do? And this is where home has taught me more than any other work experience I have ever had. Instead of getting down and thinking, I've been rejected, I haven't, got, I haven't yet got a publisher, and the idea was that I would get it to the stage where it was finished and take it to a publisher, I went to bed, got up on Sunday morning, and I thought, I'm going to ask Vince Frost. Now, if any of you here have not heard of Vince Frost, Vince Frost probably is the most highly regarded graphic designer in Australia and London. He's won multiple awards and runs a place called the Frost Collective. 
At this stage, I'd been to talks in his studio and things years ago, but I did not yet realise that Vince had 40 employees. So I pick up the phone and I say, who would I speak to if I wanted to ask Vince to do a book? And this lovely English voice says, me, I'm his EA. What's your book about? So I tell her, Jesus, oh, that sounds interesting. Have you got anything you can send us? At this stage, I don't tell her that I sent four proposals off to four publishers and I haven't heard back. And I say, yes, I can put something together. So I pulled it together a bit for Vince, sent it off. Within an hour, there was an email back, all capital letters, I love it. Vince will call you this afternoon. So Vince calls. At this stage, it's not quite COVID. He's lost his licence and he's driving home in an Uber on the way to Clairville, I find out later from the Uber driver, who became very good friends with him over the six months that he needed driving. He sent her at one stage with some jewellery that he thought I might like to buy from her. So Vince was obviously very close to the Uber driver. So he says, looking through this proposal, he said, these are really lovely images. Whose are they? And I don't say anything. I'm thinking I'll let him go further. He said, where's this? Where's this wall? This is great. Where's this? Well, I said, when he sort of drew breath, I said, actually, I'm the photographer and that's my house. And he said, we better talk. <laughs> so Vince arrived a week later or so, arrived at the door. I'd left the door ajar. Lauren, my gorgeous assistant who's at the back, was there. And there was this hello from the bottom of the stairs, which is exactly what my son does. So I thought, oh, Will's calling in, because it was 10 minutes early. And no, it was Vince, walks up the stairs, looks around like this, as everybody's want in my house. And we talk. And the very beginning, you probably saw there's a pile of books that was my reference that I showed him. And I said, I like this about this, I like this about this. I don't like this about this, but it needs to be this size. So that's the brief. He goes three times, I counted them in the hour and a bit he was there. It's exciting. It's exciting. I'm thinking, this is a yes, this is great. Terrified at what he's going to cost me. I haven't got a publisher yet. And he leaves. And I say to him as he's going out the door, Vince, that's not a yes or a no. He said, I'll be in touch. <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, I'm back to square one again. So Sunday morning, two weeks later, and I've sweated it out. I get a text. I'm interested, but I don't think you can afford me. Sunday morning, 7.30. And I'm thinking, I like this guy. <laughs> He's not conventional. He's got me already, because that's fine by me. If you've got a thought, share it. So I write back. I'm not sure, if you, I'm not sure that I know the answer to that, because I don't know what you want. And he said, the next one comes back, I've got 40 employees, and I thought, that's when I thought I'm in trouble. And I've got to kind of cover that and there's COVID coming and boom, boom, boom. So I said, name, you better look. At this stage, you better disclose what you want. And it was half again to what I thought uh, it would be. I drew my breath up and thought, I can't afford not to do this. I want to do this and I want to do this with Vince. And if I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it the best way I know how, follow your instincts. So... Time passes again and Vince appears. And we, I give him a brief and I give him too many images because I've got 400,000 images. We pull them down to about 1,000 images and he's got, you know, he only doesn't need that many. And he looks at this, I, we hand him a hard drive 
And he looks at Zifter going, what would I do with this? And I'm thinking, you must know what to do with this. And you're Vince. You're Vince Frost. You're going to choose the images, not me. You're Vince. <laughs> you know, like, you're God. Anyway, time goes by and he admits he didn't know how to download them. And could I please choose five for each chapter? <laughs> so it was a, just the most joyous ride anybody could go on for a book. He, it was COVID. He was home doing it as a private project. I would get little texts and we'd text each other. He'd leave, um, he'd leave parcels for me on the doorstep and I'd leave a little piece of pie or something in exchange. It was just it was a way to get through a year of COVID that I think is everybody should have a project like that. So at the end, and you'll see the end photo, there is a photo of Vince with the first cover and him looking at what became the finished product that both of us did. So when you work with a publisher, you write, then they give you hand your words in, they edit it, you hand your images in, and the designer does their thing with it, then they come back with something. I've been lucky, I've always got to brief them very closely and I've done paste-ups and everything, so I've had more control over that. You, they make you an offer and you get a contract. What most of you don't know is that that offer will be for 10% of what they sell it for. So what they sell it for is 50% of what you buy it for. So in the end, you get probably a dollar a copy. And if you've had costs like I have for travel and everything, it is absolutely and utterly a labour of love. And then you get a week's publicity, you're left alone and you get yearly statements. And I can't read the statements. They are just so weird. It's two lines and it's like I, I, I don't understand them. So you don't know where your book goes you, unless you see it. You walk into Constant Reader and you see it and they always have mine at the front. <laughs> um, so I didn't want that anymore. So Vince is saying to me, have you got a publisher yet? And I'm going, no, I think I'm going to self-publish. So I go and see Juliet Rogers, who is head of who used to be head of Murdoch, she said, oh, Victoria, it's a really hard row. Wait and hear back. Hey, Thames and Hudson, I'm sure they just wait. It's, such a, it's the distribution that's the problem. It's going to, you know, it's such a hard road. Are you sure? Yes, Juliet, I think I am. Okay. So she introduced me to Paribo, who are the distributor for the book, and they are extraordinary. It's a match made in heaven, just like Vince. They are family-run, I, you know, you send an email, you get it straight back. I have a printout of where all my books have gone. I know exactly how many, because I'm the publisher. I know exactly how many every bookshop sold. I know if they've reordered. I've written to every bookshop who has bought my book to say thank you. I did it before with one, but I just felt so very grateful that a lot of the orders came in before they'd actually physically held a book. And because of the sprayed sides and everything, it's different. And it doesn't fit in any genre. So a risk on their part. Um, but its siblings don't fit into any genre either. One doesn't, colour doesn't, and real doesn't. They're a mixture of stories, musings, insights. And this one happens to have how-to and recipes. So being told no, but yes, by four of them, is that failure or is it an opportunity? I'm here to tell you it's a fabulous, fabulous opportunity. And I did not know that I could back my own instincts or my own 
will to proceed the way I did until home. It has taken me 50 years since that first prod out the door of a very small office in a retail department store to discover that actually it's your self-belief that is the most important thing. And interestingly enough, I've had this conversation with Vince and he said yes. And what it is, people see the end product. They see your work. They see what you do. They see what speaks for you. But that's not necessarily the same amount of confidence that you have underneath all of that. And is it that you want to prove yourself? I don't know what it is that's the driver, but I do know that until home, I did not have that. It gave me that. It gave me a sense of coming home to myself. So you will have seen the processes. I'm going to just talk you through them. First of all, there's the writing and then the endless editing. I read David Sedaris does 18 edits. And if you read him, he reads like he's just slipped it off his tongue. Um, it's done close to home and it's best done first thing in the morning when you wake up still in your pyjamas and the thoughts are there from the night before. My image hunting is done far from home, yet, it's, yet the home is within me. I carry it with me and I've learnt to be able to walk up to absolutely anybody, anywhere, start a conversation and then pick my camera up. And people say you don't see things if you photograph. I would actually tell you I think it's quite opposite. It's up to you to engage. I would never steal a photograph. I always show the person I'm engaged with what I've taken. And invariably I can take up to about 12 photos of somebody for a portrait. It's always the first or the last. The first catches them unguarded and the last they're laughing because they can't believe I'm still going. And apparently I smile as I shoot. Um, and then some of the images in home are as close to home as you can get. As I've, I've told you the story of publishing the, approaching the publishers and needing their approval. Then there was the designer, and that only works if you really find a connection. There's a brief to the designer and the references. There's image wrangling, selection, edit, edit, and edit again. There's finding the language, the visual language. Then there was the stitching. And here we've got some show and tell. Sorry. Um, in there, you will have seen there's a cross stitch. And I said to Vince, I can, he said, can you do, I said, I love it. He said, all your textiles. I said, yes, I want to get textiles in there, but not obviously. I said, I can stitch. So it was Sunday, COVID, by the fire, a couple of pieces of paper, black stitching and I do some stitching. I take an iPhone, I send it to Vince. He says, can you do more of that? So, I do more of that. Sorry. He sent me graph paper with the shape of, because he's the font king, with the shape of um, what he wanted. This is some fabric, it had to be transparent sort of fabric, some fabric that I just happened to buy in Japan that I had in my craft room. So I sat there on a COVID Sunday by the fire and did the stitching. I realised when I started the alphabet that not every chapter would have the whole alphabet, so it's missing a few letters. 
but it was just so much fun to do, knowing. Then you will have seen a photographer photographing it. So it was then sent to a separate photographer in a studio to photograph it to be deep etched. Sorry. Then um, it starts to be laid out and, oh, sorry. Um, it starts to be laid out and you get, you know, you do feedback and say, look, I like this, I don't like that. And there's a whole, you would have seen one that was sort of a beginning of what it looked like and whatever. Then you get notes when you work with Vince, with the covers and things. Dear Victoria, in lieu of a physical presentation, here is a physical feast. I hope you love one. Um, and that's very much his language. It's sort of like we were doing it together. Then um, a, once you get it and the images are chosen, some of them needed, we chose a paper that was really tactile and proved to be very difficult to print on. It's sustainable. And there began this, a search for... I rang Vince one day and I said, I think all the pages should be pink. We'd had a pink cover by now. And he went, and I thought, how do you tell a graphic king you want pale pink pages? <laughs> oh, I love that idea. <laughs> so the search for the right pink took quite some time. Vince's pink is peach. My pink goes to blue. I got the say on the pink, but this is what we started with, and you can see how it spoils the images. It's, you see the pink before the image. This is a pink that, because of the paper and everything, had to be specially mixed, and I loved it when the in a, in a phone call to the Italian printer, I will go and talk, I can't do Italian, I will go and talk to the, print, to the ink maker and see if we can mix you something. <laughs> So I get two little samples, V1 and V2 of pink. V2, one, and that's the pink. Then you start to get proof sheets, and you would have seen them. And finally, oh, then you get things like this to choose the cover, you know, which, is this the right coloured linen? And then long-awaited parcels arrive from the printer. And you look for this on the outside, Graphicom, Graphicom. And you're searching, searching, searching. I love this. This looks like my office. Looks just like my office. Um, and then as the proof sheets come in, the first lot, I, could, I pasted them all together. Because if you look at it as a proof sheet, and it's really big, like you saw, you do not know what that feels like to turn the page. So I stuck it all together. And this is the first copy of one. Um, and then just from there, you know, move something around or not or whatever. And Vince said to me, you're not really sticking it together. And I said, I am. It took me a day and a half to cut it out and stick it together. Then when the parcels start to arrive and you, you're approving things and it goes off to, not all books do, and if you look at the quality of some of the books that are coming out now, they're very formulaic. They're 280 or 320 pages. They have a title on the front and they have a photograph, not like this one. But they've become quite formulaic and they're cutting out on a process which is colour correction. So there are some images that... All the images went to Melbourne, to two terrific guys at Splitting Image. 
called Mick and Trevor, and I'd known some of my images had gone there before, but I didn't know that it was Mick and Trevor. And Mick and Trevor and I, we're now good friends. So, you know, and they'd say, they'd say but Victoria wouldn't like it like that. <laughs> sort of like, it's just so lovely to develop this language with people. So they'd go off, and then they'd come back, and then things went off to Italy, and I had to sign them to approve them all before they would print them and everything. And then they'd come back in the parcel with Graphicom on them, with these covers that they'd printed for other people to kind of hold the pages together. And I thought, oh, that's what else is coming. So I could imagine what was coming off before home from their printing press. So it was an extraordinary thing to work with Italians, who are the best in the industry. They've got a very long-standing um, history of printing. Then we got the idea to spray the sides. Well, if you think pink to get the right pink, took over 200 emails, because you're dealing with Italy, and you're sending iPhone pictures or you're not, and the linen photographs differently to the paper. So to get the nuance in it was really tricky. So the sprayed sides, think about it. The book has, is all pink, so the sides would have been pink anyway. So you've got one pink I've chosen inside, you've got one pink on the cover, and then you've got the pink sides. And I said from the very beginning, we will end up with three pinks. Nobody would listen. <laughs> this is a third pink, which was mixed so that the side went with this, but it's not exactly the same colour because it sits in shadow. So that was really quite something. And to spray the side, they'd never done... They wrote me a lovely email saying they'd learnt some stuff by doing um, home. And... So that happens. Then you start to... Uh, you've not, I've got the distributors um, in here, New Zealand and Europe, London. Then there's the quality, quantity. What quantity am I going to print? And what am I going to charge? Um, then there's the shipping. And I started to get emails, dear shipping manager or dear import, ma import manager, with all these things that, again, I could not understand. Um, and then it lands, and it lands here, and it goes into your hands or to the hands of somebody who picks it up, and you wonder if they will remotely feel the care or the will behind what Vince and I, and I do say Vince and I because it would be a very different book without him, have given you the opportunity to share with others. So... Um, I believe that life is like driving a car along a country road in a dead of night. You can see only as far as your headlights allow. You know where you're headed, but not everywhere you'll pass along the way. You have to try your best to navigate and enjoy the journey in all its twists and turns. And so it is that in the making of home, I drove down an unknown road and it taught me what I needed to know, that humility, kindness, and compassion towards myself matter more than anything else. Thank you. Thank you very much, Victoria. Now, we do have time for some questions. Uh, does anyone have a question? We're recording this for the podcast, so I'll get you to speak into the mic. Thank you, Victoria. Would you describe yourself as an optimistic person? You seem to be. It's what seems to keep you going, despite all the... Jay's laughing. 
Um, I've got family here. Um, I have to tell the truth. <laughs> I think, like everybody, sometimes I try to be. I'm told I am. Everybody gets bumps in the road, and it's how you manage those bumps, I think. And the older I get, the less I care what other people think. And I embrace that open-heartedly with, thank you very much, it's a good thing about getting old. I don't like the things that happen to your body, but I do very much like what happens in your brain. Um, I don't know, I've, I've literally had to be, something happened just as I arrived. When I was, one of the, my first job, I did dress design. And my first job was at Farmers. A lot of people here would remember Farmers. And it was fashion coordination and promotions, which was really predicting the trends. I used to produce a little book with drawings for what the opening for the next season would be. And I worked very closely in a very small office with a woman called Pamela. She was slightly older than me and she was married. And she said one day, I'm going off to lunch. Um, I might be back a little bit later. And I said, oh, I thought she was going to the dentist. Went off and did my thing. She came back. She sat down and she said, I've just been for a job interview. Well, I was mortified because I was my first job. I'd been to boarding school. I was very naive, you know, like innocent, really. And she said, they want you, not me. And I said, oh, what job did you go for? She said, oh, fashion editor of Vogue. And I went... No, Pamela, you're so much more experienced. They don't want me, not whatever. And Pamela, I think you should stand up. I have been looking for Pamela for 50 years. For 50 years, I owe this woman who... And I said to her, she said hello before, and I said to her, what did you see? And she said, well, you just needed a bit more confidence. So am I an optimist? I don't know. I hope so. I'm certainly not a pessimist. And I certainly believe in taking every opportunity that comes your way. And if there's not one there, I'll create one. So is that a definition of an optimist? <laughs> Another question from someone? Yeah, over here. Well, I met sister, so I should know that. <laughs> but if somebody was about to undertake the adventure you have in Major Home Book, what would Sorry, you tell you? them? Oh. What? Is that better? If someone was going to do an adventure of do a self-published book as you have, self-photographed, etc. what would you tell them? How strong's your idea? And don't do something that's already been done. And do your research as to... It's, it's a hugely... It's a huge undertaking. I mean, I had dinner... Some friends came to dinner on um, Saturday night... And they said to me, it's good to see you re-emerging. It's good to see you back to your old self. Because, honestly, it swallowed me up for a year. It is a huge undertaking if you are the writer, the photographer, the art director, the publisher, the distributor, the import manager. I mean, and someone said to me, you're going to store the books in your garage. And I said, there's 7,000 of them. I don't think so. Um... It's a risk, and I would say do not expect to earn any money. Do not expect to earn a single cent. Expect it to cost you something, and if it's something that you want to do above all else, embrace it wholeheartedly because it will teach you so much. Thank you.
Do we have another question? Otherwise, I can... Uh, we thank you, Victoria. Thank you very much for coming to speak to us. And Victoria's going to be down the back signing books with um, Jay from a constant reader who has some to sell. Thank you so much for that interesting talk. It was brilliant. Thank you. We hope you have enjoyed spending your time with us. Catch up with more of our audio recordings and relive the discussion, insights and laughter of writers at Stanton. To find out more about our other events and programs, please visit www.northsydney.nsw.gov.au forward slash library. Thank you for listening.